Thank you for tuning into Stepping Stones of Faith. Stepping Stones of Faith is a ministry of Claytonville United Brethren Church. Our service times are as follows. Sunday morning Sunday school starts at 9.30 a.m. Sunday morning worship starts at 10.30 a.m. If you would like to join us for any of these services, our address is 106 Elizabeth Street, Claytonville, Illinois, 60926. We hope to see you this morning. All righty. Today we're starting, we've been doing the Minor Prophets for quite some time. We are now in the book of Jonah. Jonah is on page... If you're in the Red Bibles, 794, 794 in the Red Bible, book of Jonah. We'll be doing chapter 1 today. There's a lot of history with this, so bear with me. When we're there, say amen. Amen. Starting with the introduction. The book of Jonah was probably written between 793 and 758 B.C. Jewish tradition attributes authorship to Jonah. The theme, of, the theme is God's mercy for a people most undeserving of mercy. Israel's Assyrian enemies, Jonah was a prophet of Israel who lived in the time of Jeroboam II, he has the distinction of being the first prophet to leave Israel to proclaim God's message to a foreign people. Unlike other prophetic books, Jonah focuses more on the prophet himself rather than his message. The story is unique in many respects. God sent Jonah to Nineveh, but Jonah rebelled and was swallowed by a great fish. He repented and prayed from the, re from the recesses of the fish's belly. The fish vomited up Jonah on the dry land. And Jonah fulfilled his mission. The people of Nineveh received Jonah's message and God spared them. The book ends with Jonah's question of, to, with, with God's question to the prophet, asking if he should not have pity on Nineveh with its numerous people and animals. Now, let's look at verse 1 and 2. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittal, saying, Get up and go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, because their wickedness has come up before me. God spoke to Jonah in his, in his own unique and powerful way and told Jonah, to do two things. First, go to Nineveh, and second, cry out against it. That is to rebuke them for their sin and call them to repentance. God is doing this still today. He may not be using prophets like Nineveh, but he uses churches and he uses pulpits and pastors and preachers and teachers to call people to repentance. It might not be from a national scale or even a state scale, but from an individual church scale. We're all called to repentance. And we have to understand the repentance starts with you, and it starts with me in our hearts. 
The city of Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire and was a large and prominent city in its day. It was not a city of Israel at all. God called Jonah to go to a pagan Gentile city and call them to repentance. Ancient historians say that Nineveh was the largest city in the world at that time. It was the large, it was the large important capital of a dominating empire, surely an intimidating place to go. So, things we've got to look at here from the standpoint of Jonah. It's understanding in the, in the, in the introduction that the Ninevites were enemies of Israel, enemies of God. Jonah was a prophet of God. And God was calling him to call them to repentance. What kind of things would be going through Jonah's mind? We read in the book here what happens and what goes through Jonah's mind. And it is a mindset that is still today in 2023. These people don't deserve Jesus. These people don't deserve to be repentant. These people don't deserve salvation. Jonah felt that way. And some of us today can still feel that way. God wanted Jonah to go because he saw their wickedness. None of man's wickedness is hidden before God. He sees it all, and it may come to a point where he demands the specific warning and judgment of God. So, <clears throat> God sees it all. He sees my sin. He sees your sin. He sees my shortcomings, your shortcomings. He sees the person down the street who doesn't even regard God as important. He sees his sin and shortcomings and desires for that person to come to know him. He desired for Nineveh to repent. Not because they were just enemies of God, not because he felt that they were better than Israel, but because he loved them. He wanted them to be repentant. Now we know if you follow, if you followed along on the minor prophet study in the book of Nahum, the history of Nineveh is summed up in that book. But in this particular portion of that history, God calls Jonah to be the messenger of repentance. And God calls us to be messengers of repentance to those around us. We might be like Jonah and see people in our communities and say, well, they don't deserve that. Do you know what they've done? Do you know who they are? God says, of course I do. That's why I want them to repent. That's why I want them to use you to be that instrument to proclaim repentance. Verse 3. But Jonah got up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and, and found their ship going to Tarshish. He paid its fare and went down into it to go, to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. 
Jonah thought he could hide from God. Jonah thought he could run farther than God could reach. Is that possible? Can we reach farther than God's arm? No, we cannot. Jonah thought, if I got out of the presence of God, he couldn't find me. Not so. Jonah was wrong. Jonah was a reluctant prophet. He didn't want to do what God had told him to do. Several reasons for this have been suggested. Number one, it may have been because he was given a difficult job to do. Number two, it was because, also because Jonah didn't want the Assyrians in Nineveh to escape God's judgment. We see that in the scripture. He didn't feel that they were worthy of escaping God's judgment. So what does that make us? What did that make Jonah? What did that make him? He was more worthy? Why was he more worthy? He was a prophet, sure. He was a prophet. But that doesn't make him any better than anybody else. Just like being a Christian for us doesn't make us any better than anybody else. We too can fall into the judgment of God. Number three, we may speculate on why Jonah did not want to do what God told him to do, but it is even better to think about why we don't do what God tells us to do. <clears throat> why do we not do it? What is our excuse? Jonah either thought it was too difficult or they weren't worthy. Or probably both at the same time. It's too difficult. They're not worthy. Too difficult being meaning he probably felt like this is an Assyrian Empire capital. I could be killed. And that's a whole nother story. Did he really trust God? Or was he trusting in his own feelings? Not only is it hard, he might get killed, but they're not worthy of it. They've done too many bad things. They've done too many things that don't deserve repentance, that don't deserve the love of God. We used to say when we were kids, you know, who died and made you judge? We used to say that when we were kids. Who died and made Jonah God? Jonah was going through feel, going by, by his feelings, not by the promises of God. He didn't see Nineveh as God saw Nineveh. We don't see people as God sees people. As much as we try, as much as we think we do, we don't. We don't see individuals like God sees them. We don't see them that way. We can try, but we'll never do justice to it. We'll never do justice to it. Verse 4 and following down. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea, and a mighty storm came upon the sea, 
so that the ship was in danger of breaking up. Then the sailors were afraid, and each cried to his God. They tossed the ship's cargo into the sea in order to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the hold of the ship, had laid, lain down, and was fast asleep. The captain came to him and said, What are you doing asleep? Get up. Call to your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we will not perish. You see, Jonah was on a ship with other people that didn't believe in his God. So that too is a unique opportunity. God put him in a unique opportunity. Just like God puts us in unique opportunities every day today. We, we, we live in a society of people who the majority, if we were to say, believe like you and I, they, we, we would probably say they don't believe like you and I. Some people say, my God is Gaia, which is the God of the earth. Some might say, well, I'm the only one I put my trust in. I know who I am. I put my trust in me. Some people might say, well, I go to church, but it's just because my mom and dad did. Some people might say, well, I don't believe in God at all. What a unique opportunity for us, just as a unique opportunity for Jonah in this moment. They all cried out, cried out to their gods, not their God, their gods. And they called Jonah up and they said, go call upon your God. Maybe he'll have favor upon us and we won't die. He goes on. Verse 7. The sailors said to one another, come, let us cast lots that we may know on whose account this disaster has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lots fell on Jonah. Now that isn't by happenstance. That wasn't by luck. That wasn't by uh, uh, just possibility. That was God informing the others, you're in this predicament because of him. This is why you're going through this. This is why you're in danger. Because he ran from me. And don't we understand that sometimes when we run from God, we put more than ourselves in danger. We can put our families in danger. We can put our friends in danger But when we run from God. God will do whatever he has to do to get our attention. And God did what he had to do to get Jonah's attention. He had to threaten him with ending his life, but not only his life, but the lives of those on the ship. Then the sailors said to Jonah, tell us why this, is, this disaster has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And from what people are you? Jonah replied, I am Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who, who made the, the sea and the dry land. See, he's beginning to minister to them. They're calling out to their own gods. And he's proclaiming 
the one true God, the one who made the heavens and the sea and the dry land. That is the God he believes in. That is the God that he ran from. Then the men were very afraid and said to him, What is this you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to Jonah, What shall we do to you so that the sea may, may quiet down for us? For the sea was growing <clears throat> stormier. So the longer Jonah stayed in disobedience, the harder the judgment came until there was a difference, until there was a change. And you see, that is story for us. Judgment comes upon us and will stay upon us until we change. And it'll get harder and harder and harder until we turn to God. And as we read down, we see that things dramatically changed when Jonah surrendered himself. For, verse 11, then, Jonah said to, then they said to Jonah, what shall we do to you so that the sea may quiet down for us for the sea is growing stormier. So Jonah said to them, pick me up and toss me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know that it is, in, it is on my account this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rowed hard to bring the ship to land, but they could not do it, for the sea grew more tempestuous against them. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not make us guilty for, for innocent blood for you, Lord. Have done it, have done as it pleased you. So, Here's what happened. Here is the unique opportunity. We have Jonah running from God to Tarshish on a boat full of idolatrous men calling upon their own gods for salvation. They ask Jonah, what do we do? Where do you come from? What is your people? What is your deal? What's your occupation? He tells them. They said, Lord, please don't let us perish for this man's sin. What does that sound like? Idolaters turning to repentance. Idolaters turning to God in that moment. Whether it stuck, stuck with them or not, we don't know. But we know in that moment, they turned to God. They threw Jonah overboard. And this is what happened. Then they cried out to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, do not let us perish for this man's life and do not make us guilty for an innocent blood. For you, Lord, have done it as as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and tossed him into the sea. Then the sea ceased from its raging. 
Why did it cease from its raging? You ever think about that for a moment? Why did it cease from its raging? A couple reasons. Number one, Jonah was being obedient at that point. He was willing to die to save those men. And number two, the men who were idolatrous men, those men turned to God. Those men in that moment repented and turned to God to save their own life. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they then stayed that way. But in that moment, they turned to God. That moment, they turned to God. And it talks to us, it speaks to me at least, and to us it should, that in our darkest times, where do we turn? Do we turn to God only in times when we think we're going to perish? whether it be physically, emotionally, or spiritually? Do we turn to God only in those times when it's so bad that nothing else satisfies? In other words, is God a last resort in our lives? For these men, God was a last resort. They were calling out to their gods, and their gods wasn't doing anything. Their gods were false. That's why they weren't doing anything. It's just like, when Elijah was up on Mount Carmel and told the 400 prophets and to pray to their gods for their, for, for, for their gods to consume their offering. And they called out and they called out and they called out and didn't do anything. And Jonah, or not Jonah, um, Elijah poured water around on the offering and all over until it was filled with, the, the trench was filled with water. He made fun of their gods. He did all these things, and then our God consumed the offering, the rocks, the dirt, the water that was in the trough, all of it. That's the God Jonah was serving. And these men, in their moment of possible perish, called upon that God, called upon our God to save them. So those two things happen. Jonah was being obedient to the point of willing to die for disobeying God to save others. And those that were in the boat called upon God in repentance and God saved them. Now if we know the book, we know that God wasn't done with Jonah yet. He was done with the, man, the men in the boat, but he wasn't done with Jonah just like he's not done with us. He's not done with us either. We can repent for our sin, but God isn't done. God has plans for you and I. God has plans. He has good plans. Some of, our plans, some of his plans might be something very simple, be an encouragement to others. Give a smile when a smile is needed. Shake a hand when a handshake is needed. God has plans. God does not have plans for each and every one of us to stand behind a pulpit and preach. But God does have a plan for us to live a life according to him. And in that life, if we follow, there'll be great reward. Jonah 
denied that of himself in the beginning. Running from God. But it's not Jonah. We can't say, well, that's Jonah. He's weak. We're just as weak. We run from God probably on a daily basis in some way, shape, or form. So yeah, God or Jonah was not weak, any more weak than we are. We are just as weak. You know why we're just as weak? Because we're human beings. That's why we're weak. We don't have a, a sinless life. We have a sin nature. Therefore, that makes us weak. We go to what feels comfortable. Jonah went to his thoughts and thought, you know what, these people aren't worthy. We talked this morning about the Pharisees and the Sadducees and how they looked at the Gentiles and thought, well, the Gentiles didn't deserve, or, you know, they were, they were the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees were up here and the Gentiles were down here, and there was a gap between the two. Jonah was viewing it as the gap. Nineveh was in that gap, an unreachable gap that God could not reach. And therefore, he ran from God because he didn't, he, he didn't want them to be saved. Truly, God's wrong, he's thinking. Truly, God's mistaken. These people are not worthy of salvation. These people, they're horrible. They're not worthy of that. If God knew what they did, well, God knows what they did. And God knows what we do. It's a question I was asked many years ago. How much do you have to hate someone to condemn them to hell? And we do that when we don't share our faith, when God calls us to. We do that. We are condemning them to a life apart from God, to hell, where there's weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, when we do not do that which God calls us to do. Jonah, as we read on in the next two chap three chapters, we understand what happened with Jonah. We understand that. We will see that. But right now in this first chapter, we see that Jonah ran from God. Jonah viewed those people as not worthy of salvation, not worthy of God's forgiveness. Well, guess what? In that moment, Jonah wasn't worthy of God's forgiveness either. And that extends to us. If we view someone as not worthy of God's forgiveness, then we too are not worthy of God's forgiveness. We have passed judgment upon people where we're not, we're not called to judge. Only God is. <clears throat> now, last verse. Therefore the men were, were very afraid of the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. So they in their fear, turned their hearts to the Lord, made a sacrifice to God for saving them. In the midst of their fear, 
and the thought of perishing, they turn to God. Now, we don't know what happened with these men afterwards. The Bible, the Bible doesn't talk about them. But we do know that today we have experiences with people who are near death and they call upon God to save them. So many people, when God saves them, live their lives for God. I've known many who that has been the case. But I've also known some who once God saves them, they get back to their old ways and God becomes a memory in their lives. These men made vows. In other words, they repented of their sin. It doesn't say later whether they stayed or not in that repentance. But we know within ourselves whether we stay in repentance or not. We might have a situation where death is at our door, we think, and we pray and we pray and we pray and we repent and repent and repent, hoping that we go to heaven. And then when we find out we die, we're not going to die or we we're didn't die, what is our mindset at that point? We should be thankful that God saved us. But we should also understand that we need to continue to live a life for God. Amen? We need to continue to walk with God. Learn. See, these books of the, of the prophets, minor prophets, are life lesson books. They're life lessons. Jonah, this first chapter, what's the life lesson? What is the life lesson of Jonah chapter 1? Well, it is this. Don't judge others by outward appearances. That's part of it. Number two, don't think you're high, high, high and mightier than you are. Because you're right where they are. Once we, once we begin to judge others, and I'm not saying... You know, be fruit inspectors and say, well, I don't believe these people because the fruit isn't there. There's a difference there. He was judging. He wasn't saying, oh, well, the fruit's not there, so they're not really believers in God. He's judging them. There's a difference. Passing judgment on others passes judgment upon us. There's an old saying we used to say, you know, you point one finger at somebody and you got three pointing back at you. Right? Jesus said, before you tell, tell your brother to take the splinter out of his eye, get the plank out of your own eye. In other words, you're no better. And once you judge, you're, be, you're, judging, you're being judged as well. So those are the life lessons. Jonah chapter 1. Don't judge others by outward appearances and definitely don't think they're unworthy. Because we were all unworthy. Still are. We're all unworthy. We run from God whether we want to admit it, ad, 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 admit it or not. We run from God on a regular basis. In our actions and our deeds. We run from God in a, on, a, in a, in a, on a regular basis and it is something that 
we have nothing to say to someone in judgment. Yes, we can minister, and yes, we can talk to them about Jesus, and we can tell them how much God loves them. But we cannot sit there and say, you're going to hell because you do this. That might be true, but in that attitude, we too are judging, being judged for our attitude. We talked about Romans chapter 2 today. In that last verse, 24, that we spoke of today. The word of God is blaspheme among the Gentiles because of you. That's why. Because attitudes and mindsets of us toward other people, no matter who they are, no matter what life they've had, led, and whatever, doesn't matter. We build a gap. We don't, we don't bridge it we knock the bridge down when we have judgment of others. We knock it down. People see the church and Christians as people they don't want to be around because the only thing they have, the only thing churches have, and this is something that I read once a long time ago, one of the top reasons people don't go to church is because they feel condemned. They feel judged. That's one of the reasons. Not the top reason, but one of the reasons. They feel condemned and judged. I don't want anybody to feel that way when they come into any church that I'm a part of, that they're condemned and judged. But guess what? Let's just hypothetically say that this is this church. People coming to this church, they feel judged and condemned. Guess what? We're all judged and condemned then. We're all in the same boat. Notice how they were all in the same boat. Those that were worshiping idols and the one that said he called upon, he, he followed God and loved God. All in the same boat. They were all being judged for their sin. Jonah was not at all exempt. <clears throat> Matter of fact, the judgment came because of him. So he was not exempt because he was a prophet. The judgment didn't come because, oh my goodness, these idolaters are on the boat and they're going to, they're, they're, they're praying to their false gods. Oh my gosh, God's going to judge them. No. God knew who they were. God was judging Jonah. And those others were just in the boat. So when God judges us, Who's in our boat? Is it our family? Is it our friends? Who's in our boat when God judges us? That's what we got to look at. That's why it's important to follow. Jonah didn't follow, Jonah ran. Jonah ran from God. And when we run from God, we're not the only one judged. There are others around us that can be judged as well. In Jonah's first chapter, these ones that Jonah was in the boat with turned their hearts to God. It's not always the case. 
Some people say, well, if that's how it's going to be, if that's what it's like to be a Christian, I don't want any part of that. And they'll still die physically and spiritually. But sometimes there are others that say, well, even though he's this way, I believe God is going to be this way. And they trust God. Sometimes that happens. So let's think about that this week. If we run from God, think about this statement. If we run from God, we're being judged. Who else is in the boat with us? Amen? Think about that for a moment. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. We thank you, Father, Lord, that we can look upon these stories of the minor prophets and we can glean life lessons to be better equipped to live a holy life before you. Father, minister to us. Give us strength and peace and undergird us by your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray you'd bless each and every one that's here. Help us all to do that which you want us to do. Be with us and minister to us, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to Stepping Stones of Faith. I pray that you find value in this content. You can also find an audio podcast of this program on all the major podcasting platforms. Just type Stepping Stones of Faith into the podcast search bar. Once again, I'm Pastor Josh. Thank you for joining me today.